Okay, what's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the One Before I Die podcast, episode 134 on tap for you, rolling right along here in May. We have made it to May, uh, so happy May, everybody. Spring is here finally, kind of, I guess. I mean, hopefully the warm weather continues to come around and, and we roll right into summer, but we have made it to May. And, you know, surprisingly for a, for a May episode here, actually a lot to talk about in, in terms of both the Bills and the Sabres. Uh, maybe not as much on the Sabres front as much as them just ending the season out here, but um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Sabres ending the season, as I just said. Rick Jenner, obviously, his last call, his last uh, game as the Sabres announcer after 51 years. So an emotional one against Chicago Friday night. Um, the boys did come out with a W. Uh, so we'll talk about that game and just the Sabre season as a whole, I think, is kind of a, a topic of discussion for today. Um, uh, the locker room cleanout obviously happened. So locker room cleanout interviews went down and I just thought uh, we could talk about this, those interviews a little bit. Speaking of locker room cleanout, another player that had the locker room cleanouts along with the Sabres this year was Jack Eichel again. So, I mean, it's just it's just clockwork at this point. Come around May, April, late April, early May, you know Jack Eichel's going to be in the locker room cleanout. So we'll touch on the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, that just kind of popped in my head real quick and talk about Eichel just being an absolute loser. Um, but then also, obviously, the draft, the NFL draft went down. So Bills had eight total picks. Uh, we'll kind of run through those, give our thoughts on what we thought about them. Um, thought it was a pretty solid draft from you know what I know and uh, I mean <laughs> uh, just looking at the guys right now on my phone I mean I liked what I saw throughout the first couple of days I didn't go full-on draft guys uh, like I you know like I do some 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 years but um, it was still an interesting draft I think the first one was kind of crazy with all those trades and everything uh, but we'll talk about the draft obviously and then lastly uh, the NHL playoffs the NHL playoffs have begun and Obviously, the Sabres aren't in them, but, you know, we talked about it last week. The playoffs are awesome. NHL playoffs are at least my personal favorite sports, you know, time to, to, to watch sports. I think it's the best playoffs out there. So uh, I think last, last week's episode, Ethan and I said, all right, we'll both do our first round predictions. So we came up with those. We're kind of recording this as the games just, you know, began and they're going on. But we had our predictions beforehand. And obviously, as you guys are listening to this, you know, there will be some games that were already uh, completed last night. But. We have our predictions for those for the first round. We'll come back uh, after the first round, maybe do second round predictions as well. But super excited for these playoffs. It's always a great time. Um, but yeah, I guess without further ado, we'll get right into it. Ethan, how you doing? Good, man. Hanging in there. We're on a bit of a night shift. Uh, when you were going with your with your locker room clean out segue, I thought you were going to talk about your hair because you kind of cleaned out your hair. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. If uh, I mean, you guys are listening to this, you can't see, but... Maybe we'll put up a clip, and I'm sure any of the clips that'll be out there. I did buzz my hair, so I'm looking fresh. Nice little fresh cut for the summer here. Took Ethan kind of off guard, but here we are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you have anything else to add to that, or that's all no, you have to say no. before we get into it? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really have much to add. I thought, thought you did a nice job there. Not, no real other updates on my end, so let's get into it. All right. Well, I think we should start with the NFL draft uh, review, and then we'll move on to the Sabres and hockey stuff towards the end. Uh, and obviously, you know, that was kind of probably the main thing this past week within sports in general. I mean, the NFL draft, first of all, I guess to just start out, the NFL is just like this thoughts are kind of just coming to my head as I'm speaking, but the NFL is becoming, and it's been like this the past few years, but it's just, it's just so much of a show and it's all show. Like it, you know what I mean? Like it's just so much entertainment factor and 
and the NFL draft is always such a it's big event nowadays. And like, it's just a draft at the end of the day. And, and I get it. It's like all about the money. And it's just crazy that how much NFL is king. Like we always talk about when, you know, during the hockey season, you know, it's not as, as popular and, um, you know, there's a lot more Bills fans and Sabres fans, maybe that type of thing. But it's just crazy, I guess, thinking about it, like how much of a show these things become. Like the NFL, like in Vegas, everybody goes to that just to hear people like get called and picked to a team. And then especially go to the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. It's like we have no idea who these guys even are. Um, it's so much more of an event, I feel like, than it, like it makes people care about it more than it really even matters, I guess, if that makes any sense. So that was just kind of the first thing that came to my mind as I started talking about the NFL draft. Like, well, I mean, are you surprised like, why by is it that? So, like, why, no, why no, no I'm, not, I'm not surprised. I, I'm just saying, like, it's just, it's just such a nothing. Like, I mean, it's oh, been like that. It's been like know. that for the last, what, ever since they moved the first round to primetime, it's been like a, an event. I know. Isn't that kind of crazy though? Like, what? I know. I was like looking in the stands. I was looking in the stands. I mean, it was in Vegas this year, so maybe it would be kind of cool to go, but like, I have no appeal to go. The people that go to that, like, like, why is that? Like, it's so expensive. Like, why is that the event you go? You see the people that go to it and you can kind of guess, I mean, they pan to the crowd every time and it's people with painted on faces, masks, like wings, like, like this dude with the Eagles is wearing like wings and it's just, these people like what are you doing like like you said you're, you're that's the event you're gonna pick to go to but then you, you pan to the crowd and you're like not that surprised when you have like someone with spikes on their head you know as a vegas raiders <laughs> i mean fan, i can like, barely okay. i can barely like sit there and like, i'm not a draft guy <laughs> like well, that's I, what I I, that's i guess what i was getting at is like it's barely just, it's sit just there and watch draft, it on TV. right like like i can't imagine standing for three hours to watch your team make one pick about like a guy that maybe will pan out for you. I, I mean, half these guys don't even play that. Like they don't even stick in the league. No, that's what I was, I guess I was getting. I'm not, I'm not necessarily surprised that it's an event. It's just, it's just, it's just crazy, it's crazy. how much these people care about it. And, and the fact that like, I don't know, the NFL is just getting away like a bandit with making all these, you know, little things into events. And it's like, dude, it's, it's literally just a draft. But anyway, with that being said, the first round was kind of crazy. I mean, like you said last week, I think there wasn't really that many big names in this draft. You know, I, I think up until the first overall pick was taken, we didn't know if it was going to be the guy that was taken or that Aiden Hutchinson guy. The guy that was taken what was it? the guy from Georgia, Trayvon Walker, maybe is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it, it seemed like that, you know, we didn't really know who was going to be in the top 10, top 20. It, just a lot of kind of random names this year. Um, a lot of draft, you know, experts, I guess we'll call them, were saying this was more of a low-tier draft in terms of, you know, player quality. Anyway, so that's why I think there was a ton of trades. I mean, it sticks out for me from the top. The 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 big one was the A.J. Brown of the Eagles, right? I mean, I think we talked about that last week where I was saying maybe this is a bigger draft just to watch because of potential trades with guys like that, and it happened in the first round. So that was the first, like, fly-off-the-board one was A.J. Brown of the Eagles. Um, then there's a bunch of mix and match trades. I think the Lions traded up a bunch of times. The Jets ended up trading in the end of the first round as well. But anyway, the big one in terms of bills, you know, we had the 25th pick. We ended up trading up to 23 to draft Kair Elam, a cornerback out of Florida. And what were your thoughts on this pick? It was the position you wanted. So, I mean, I, I, yeah. you know, I was, I was satisfied with it. And, you know, looking at this guy, it seems like a, a good culture fit. So, um, I mean, I texted you and dad before the draft started tar- that I wanted to target that guy. I did the whole wake up on draft day, pick a guy that I wanted. That was my guy, right? Yeah. Why, why did you? Yeah. Why did you? Uh, how'd that guy become your guy on draft day? You kind of pulled a me on 
Thursday? <laughs> well, because I was doing a, I was doing a little research about all the corners that I think would be there. I mean, there's an easy there's like an easy top two that everybody had, right? It was the Sauce Gardner guy and the Stingley guy, right? Those right. were the two guys that definitely weren't going to be available. Um, and then there was like that next tier after that. It was well, there's another guy that went to the Chiefs before us too, cornerback. Right, but I I would I was putting him in that next tier as well. Okay. Um, I forgot what his name is, like Whipple or something like that. That's that's wrong, but I don't whatever that guy's name is. Okay. Um, Elam, and then the Booth guy from Clemson was tossed around a little bit. Yeah, he ended up going in the second round though. Yeah, like later on. So I was just looking at that like next tier, and the, everything I read about Elam was that he was the best man-to-man corner in the draft. Right. And he's physical. I like some of those negative things about him was that he's like a little bit handsy. Right. Yep. Like I saw that as well, that he might get a lot of PI calls against him, interference, yeah. stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So like as a weakness being like, you're too physical to me is like kind of a strength. So I was like, I want this guy. He's going to be super physical. The good old kind two negatives a, make a positive. Yeah. He also, <laughs> also he was SEC corner, kind of like, you know, Trey white yep. playing against really good competition playing against, you know, cream of the crop, those receivers from Bama, um, you know, the Georgia offense was unbelievable. So it's just like he's playing against really good competition, best man-to-man corner in the draft, maybe a little bit too physical. Kind of – it kind of was like the Trey White scouting report, you know, like a guy in the 20s that was kind of slept on a little bit. So that's kind of why – I was getting Trey White vibes from him. So that's why yeah. I, I wanted I wanted Elam. Yeah, and he's also just like – you read everything about him, right? His whole thing about, I want a playbook on the plane. He's like, kind of not like this. He's not going around being like, Oh, I got drafted first overall to the bills. I'm going to be a stud. It's like, he wants to just go and work his you know tail off to even just make the team at this point. You know, he's just like workman mentality. I think he's going to fit in really well. Um, and he's in a perfect situation to go learn from Trey white too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. A couple things is, is one, exactly what you said is he he has this mentality and i and i think that's kind of the common theme for this draft that i want to like set here and it started with him and being in in mcdermott and they've obviously set this culture since 2017 when when they both kind of come in where they get these guys that want to be there they want they do whatever it takes they'll you know they'll they're coachable um hard workers trust the process type guys as mcdermott likes to say and so that's my main thing like i you know you can talk about his play like you just talked about and you were reading about you know his physical plays best man-to-man coverage that kind of thing you know i didn't watch florida football i don't know this guy i'm gonna be completely transparent i don't know you know how good he is as a player on the field what i'm taking away from the draft picks with him and the ones later on in the draft is that the they being in McDermott know how to target guys the right culture fit that like actually want to work and and they're not satisfied like you said with just being a pick in the first round that they're ready to come in and I think the first thing that Elam said after he's drafted was like I'm so grateful like I'm so thankful but you know a lot of work to be done I'm ready to go and then you see the like you said that clip of him you know bring the playbook out in his interview um he just seems like a blue collar grinder. And it seems like Bean knows how to find these type of guys that will do anything it takes. And I think that's the same thing with these guys later on in the draft as well. So that's one thing. And the second thing is also, like you kind of said, is our defensive coaching staff, I think, is known for being able to shape and round cornerbacks and defensive backs into and, and get the most out of them. So you pick a guy like Elon where he maybe has a few flaws. You have to trust your coaching staff in McDermott. 
um, and the, the defensive coaches that they're able to do their job because they've already proven that. And I think that's something that is so you know slept on as from a Bills perspective is that's what they're so good at is developing these cornerbacks. So you can't you know you, you can't complain with it. Um, I know that there were people out there complaining that they still didn't go with Brees Hall at uh, stay at twenty five and get him as a running back there because he went to the Jets pretty early on in the second round. I know there's people complaining about that still. Um, but listen, I mean, corner, and you know, I was one of those people last, last week where I said, I know that cornerback is probably the position of need, but you know, with my heart, it would be cool if we got a running back, but I understand that that was what we needed to do. I think it's a good fit. Like you said, and you know, that was the guy there. Now, the one question is, do you think we could have just got him at 25? I mean, I, I know it didn't really matter because the picks that we gave up, like weren't that big of a deal. We gave up like a, maybe a fourth round pick, which I don't know, maybe could be a big deal, but I mean, I feel like we probably could have got him at 25 still. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they know more than I do, but it seemed like we were just, you know, moving up two slots. And it, you know, I'm not going to look too far into it, I guess. I guess that's just like the one thing. I, I don't know. I, the, thing that, the thing that Bean said when they asked about it was that he was the last guy on their board that they had uh, round one, like, grade on, right? So if they didn't get him, then I think they – They were kind of panicking mode. Well, he said that they would have probably looked to trade out of the first round at that point. So – so they want to make um, sure they got his guy. Okay. I think they they wanted they saw an opportunity to make sure that they got him, took advantage of it. Like you said, what gave up a fourth round pick to move up two spots. Chances are like that fourth fourth round pick is going to have a tough chance making this team anyway. So go and get your guy to make sure that we have a a guy opposite of Treyway. I don't hate the move. Um, could he have been there at twenty five? Sure. Right. I don't think either team uh, went corner right like who well the who cowboys were 24 and they didn't go corner so we would have been 25 yeah yeah who knows if they you know maybe they were going to take elam if we didn't but either way i think it's kind of water under the boat at this point um last thing on elam i guess before we move on to these other guys quick is he did go to the sabers game literally immediately after the next day too so yeah i mean that was, that was cool. just the classic buffalo camaraderie and, and i mean it was honestly a packed house it was probably the second packed house of the Sabres season because it was rj's last game and so it was cool for him to be in the suite and you have josh allen there dawson knox gabe davis like you had a lot of like the heavy hitters there for the bills right to like kind of welcome him in and that's just another i guess you know key in to the bills culture and what they've built and like i said with being and mcdermott and what they want in, in those type of players is you see allen your best player your franchise guy right like on a Friday night after the draft, like he's sitting right next to Elam, a cornerback, right? He's not even an offensive player. And right. you're seeing him sit right next to him in a suite at a Sabres game. They put him on the Jumbotron. Allen's like, stand up, buddy. Like the guy was absolutely loving it. You could tell like he was absolutely loving it, like smiling ear to ear. So, um, I mean, that was just cool to see off to a great start there already. Just getting to know all the fellows. Um, but anyway, moving on to the next picks here. Let me just rattle off the picks before because I'm probably not. We're probably not going to go through each guy like specifically, but um, probably the next two I had a, at least a few comments on. But our second round pick was James Cook, so we did get a running back, Delvin Cook's brother out of Georgia. Then we went linebacker Terrell Bernard. Then we went wide receiver Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. Um, then we kind of you know a little sneaky here went with a punter Matt Ariza. Ariza, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, then Christian Benford, a cornerback out of Villanova. Then we went offense, offensive line. This guy, Luke Tenuta out of Virginia Tech. And then our last pick was Balen Specter, a linebacker out of Clemson. So it was just a good, like, I don't know, just reading that off, I think it was a good positional draft from the Bills. We are just kind of assessing everything that you need. You know, you're always going to need O-line. Another, you know, 
cornerback in there, maybe if Elam doesn't work out or just more depth at that position, a couple linebackers, a wide receiver never hurts. And then a punter. I mean, our punter, you know, until they drafted him, I was kind of like, I kind of forgot about how like bad our punting was last year. So this guy's yeah. come in and be the starter right away. Um, but I don't know. Any thoughts on these guys? Anyone in, in particular? I mean, next dude, players? I was watching highlights of this punter. This guy can boot the ball. Yeah. I didn't see anything with him. <laughs> he's like a trick punter too. I think he's a lefty as well, but he, he can freaking yeah. boot it. Okay. So I'm kind of hyped for him. Cause I, he, I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna be, he's probably gonna be the starter right away. Right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing he'll go head to head with hack and uh, training camp. And I'm guessing it's may be like a Tyler Bass situation, right? Like where he kind of takes over from the veteran. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you got that dude. You can absolutely boot the ball. Um, but then back to the, the I guess the other two picks, or maybe these three picks, James Cook, Trell Bernard, and Khalil, Khalil Shakir. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, James Cook running back. Like, I was glad we went running back. At, I don't know. I, I thought it was a good pick. This guy, I, I think, is the same. Like I said with uh, Elam, I think it was the same throughout the whole draft. This guy seemed like he had the right culture fit. He said, like, he fell in love with Buffalo. Um, he's Delvin Cook's brother, so I mean, there has to be something there with genetics, right? Delvin Cook's an absolute beast. He was a running back for Georgia, who won the you know national championship. You know, other than that, don't know too much about the guy, but I like the pick. I like the running back pick, and you know, Zach Moss is now on the hot seat. I think. Yeah, I. I'll be honest with you. Out of these next three, I think he's the guy that I'm like. I don't know the biggest question mark. I agree. Like the the position was the right move. I was, I was, you know, as everybody knows, I was full-fledged, no running back first round. But, I mean, in the second round, there was so many options there. It, it is a big weakness for us on offense. I think it's, you know, easily um, going into this draft, right? If you look at our offense, that was our biggest hole out of any position. And the running um, backs were starting to fly off the board in round two, kind of. Right. And I was, I was just a little bit disappointed because I think – I just think there's such a bigger gap, and this is me watching minimal college football, between – uh, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker than the rest of the options. So I was really hoping that they could have got uh, Kenneth Walker there, but he ended up going too early. So, I mean, the thing about this James Cook, right, he looks phenomenal from a, like, non-traditional running back, right? Like, you look at all of his tape and all of his best plays seem to be catching b- balls out of the backfield. That's maybe flex. No, I-, I agree. Maybe flexing into the slot. It just doesn't seem like he's going to turn into an every down back like his brother is, right? Like, and I guess, I guess when you're drafting a running back in that position, you're, it's going to be tough to find a guy like a Delvin Cook, right? Like in yeah. late in the second round like that. But I don't know. I just, I was hoping that we could get maybe a steal out of Kenneth Walker there because that's the kind of guy that I feel like could be you know, catching balls and just, you know, pounding the rock up the middle too. I just don't, I, I'm just, ha- I'm just worried that James Cook is not going to be durable. I still think he's, he's kind of, to me, he's going to be more like of a third down back and, 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 our, and already really? people are talking about like, he can't, he's not very good in the pass pass protection. So that's kind of like a liability, right? He just seems undersized, but he's like very fast, obviously, you know, and great, I feel great. I feel like then he would be like more like opposite, like not third down back, like first and second down. And then if he can't pick up the blitz, then I mean, honestly, dude, I could see know. him kind of be used in more of like a slot. <laughs> <laughs> you think he's gonna be more of like a wideout than a running back? 
like kind of like a wing back. I feel like almost like maybe come out <laughs> with right. some end arounds, like a Isaiah, like a Debo Samuel, but not like a physical specimen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, I guess I didn't really watch too much like film on him after I just kind of, when I saw the pick, I just, the, the two things I took from where he was Dalvin Cook's brother and that he was the running back for Georgia, who obviously was like a wagon and won the national championship. I know defense was their strength, but I think their running game was pretty decent because I know their core, you know, their quarterback that stunts and Bennett. You know, they were the best passing team. So I don't know. I liked it. Um, I liked it from a positional aspect. So you know I, I don't who, know much uh, about James Cook in general. You know who I like watching his highlight tape and kind of listening to these guys talk about him again because I I didn't watch I, I didn't watch a lot of James Cook. You know, um, he kind of reminded me of like a Darren Sproles. Okay, like that that type of running back. You is know he, what I'm saying? What's it, what's his build like? Is he a little bit bigger though? No, like I think he's only like five nine or five ten, like a buck ninety. So I think he like that's what I'm saying. Like he's kind of like I don't know, shorter and stockier, but yeah, I guess just, I mean I mean I guess we'll see. I guess the big the big thing here now is listen, we had we draft James Cook in the second round, we have Devin Singletary, we signed Duke Johnson, we still have Zach Moss. So the 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 fact of the matter is is we drafted this guy. It's not a, about if we did or not. Like he's on the he he's on the roster now and you draft him in the second round, he's he's probably gonna make the team we got to cut a running back, right? Like that's, I think the bigger question out of this whole thing now is, you know, is Moss on the hot seat now? Is he gone? Is Duke Johnson? I know we just signed him. So does that mean that he's going to be there for sure? I I feel like Singletary is not gone. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what goes down in camp and to see which running back, you know, group is there for the start of the season. And, uh, you know, like I said, you draft cook, like he's going to be there. Like, that's my gut feeling. I gut feeling Singletary is going to be there gut feeling like I don't really know Duke Johnson I know we've signed some guys in the past that we still let go so that's kind of sketchy and then Zach Moss just hasn't really done much in in his time in the on the team yet so I don't know that's the that's going to be the interesting thing to see is who's uh you know in this group I guess to start the season I don't know if you can just is Moss on some contract entry-level contract where you can't cut him yet I I don't know but there's not going to be four running backs on the roster come you know game one right I don't know man I I I think it could happen. I could see I could see someone maybe like really? Duke Johnson playing some special teams. I don't know. I, I just yeah, I for could sure, see it but happen. they still take up a roster spot, right? I That's what I mean though, but like use them in special teams. I don't know. All I right. could I could also see maybe Duke Johnson going to the practice squad. I just I just think that I don't know. I guess I wouldn't be surprised maybe if like a Zach Moss gets cut. No, that yeah, that, I'm not. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised either. I don't. I think he's on the hot seat big time. Um, but anyway, that, I, do, that, I do think though that this has got to fire Motor Singletary up a little bit because he like he did have a stronger start uh, end of his year. You know, I know a lot of people yeah. were ragging on him, um, but I mean he's got he's got to come into play this year. Like absolutely signing, signing Duke Johnson, drafting James Cook. It's got to. Like I mean, it's got to put a call it's got to put a fire under everybody. Moss too. I mean, all, all these guys. The whole running back room is on notice, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's James Cook. That was the second round pick. Move on to the third round. We go with this guy Terrell Bernard, a linebacker out of Baylor. And again, you know, didn't know this guy before we drafted him. I will say though, from his build and from after, you know, after they draft him, you know, they talk about him for a little bit and just watching him. 
I like this pick strictly on the fact that I love like hybrid linebacker type guys, right? And this guy isn't like your your, your typical. He's not like he's more of a Milano than an Edmonds, where Edmonds is a stockier linebacker kind of. Um, I mean, what we hope he can do is build into that guy that just plugs up holes, right? And I know he's underperformed a little bit, but this Bernard guy seemed like watching him after they drafted him. He's like a, a smaller, but he's still like a pretty tall dude that just kind of flies around the field. Um, almost like a kind of like a honey badger esque is what, what I saw in his highlights where he's just like, you put him on the field and you have him just go ball Hawk. Like I love guys like that. And I, and I don't know, I could be way off, but that's what it seemed like when I was watching this guy after we drafted him, like he's just a, a fast linebacker. You put him out there and you just let him go to work. Um, I don't know how he was at Baylor. He must have been pretty good to be a third-round pick. But, I mean, we needed linebacker. I, I think I think linebacker is a position that you can always, you know, not have enough depth at. Behind Edmonds and Milano, I mean, it's sketchy, right? I think Klein got let go. You have Dodson, like, Matakevich. Like, our linebacker group is kind of sketchy right now. So, you're going to need to draft it. We also got a linebacker at the, end of the, at the end of the draft. But in terms of this Bernard guy, I liked him. And I know that he said after he was drafted that a guy that he likes to study the film a lot of is Matt Milano. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. Just off rip to see this guy, you know, studying one of the Bills linebackers. And like I said, I just see, I just see this guy as being a guy you put out there and just have him kind of ball hawk fly around the field. Um, he seems fast. He seems quick. But he seems like he can lay the, you know, lay the wood when he needs to as well. So, that's kind of what I saw from Bernard. What did you think about this pick? Yeah, I really like this one too. Um, I kind of got like, I kind of got a Milano vibe. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at his kind of accolades here. I mean, he was two time, all big 10 second team. And then last year he was all big 10 first team. Um, he was also team captain and was the MVP of the sugar bowl this past year. Okay. So like he's got some leadership qualities. Um, obviously his teammates think highly of him if he was a team captain, um, and he obviously like shows out if he's getting named to all Big Ten teams and he's the MVP of a you know a big New Year's Six bowl game. So right, um, yeah. I mean his he he looked, his stats look great. I th- I thought I saw some like a crazy stat about him like never letting up a touchdown when he was on the field or something like that. Like like I think it, I think there was no receiving touchdown. Like he didn't let up any receiving touchdowns. It was like a crazy stat. Wow. Okay. I didn't see anything like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that sounds good to me. <laughs> um, but I don't, like I said, I, I, what it stood out to me is like I said, I think this guy just flies around the field. I don't know if you got that same vibe from him, but he just seems like kind of like a hybrid esque more than just, yeah, like right a, here. just like a baseline. This is, this is from pro football focus, the Buffalo bills, Baylor linebacker pick Baylor linebacker, Terrell Bernard at, uh, number 89 overall zero touchdowns allowed in 983 career coverage snaps. So he's kind of like a coverage guy too, coverage linebacker. Yeah. Maybe that's what we need against like a Kelsey, right? Against these bigger tight ends that are lining up in the league nowadays. Yeah. So, so yeah, I I think he's, I think he's kind of like the perfect hybrid linebacker. Like you were talking about that kind of, kind of fly all over the field a little bit. I mean, he's six, one, two twenty five. So he's like, yeah, he's got a good, not crazy big, but stature on him. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the last, last pick that I think we'll probably end it out here with the draft was this Khalil Shakir guy pick uh, 148 overall. We'd actually traded up in this round. We had the 168th pick. We traded up 148 to give this guy wide receiver out of Boise state in the fifth round. Um, 
And the biggest thing with this guy to me is all I'm seeing now on Twitter is, is Isaiah McKenzie going to get cut now? Like, where is this? This is from the clouds, right? Like this guy, we trade up and draft him. And now all of a sudden Bills fans left and right are saying Isaiah McKenzie isn't going to be on the roster this year. So this isn't even more about this draft pick as, as much as it is like, are, have Bills fans lost their minds? There's no way that you just, that McKenzie's just gone now after you draft this guy, get that, you know, you want him to be that type of player that kind of takes over and you want him to be the best you can be. But is, am I crazy for thinking that that's crazy out of Bills fans' mouths? Like that's the first thing that people think of when we made this pick is Isaiah McKenzie's on the hot seat now? Where's that coming from? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Um, that's not what I thought. I mean, maybe it's because he can return kicks. That's like a big thing that he can do that he did a lot in college. So are people like, is he going to be like the gadget guy now? But I just, I, I don't know. The, the wide receiver room's pretty thin if you look at it, right? I mean, yeah, you got, I, exactly, you got Diggs, that's what I thought. Davis, I thought you, and, you draft this guy to kind of beef it up a little bit. And I think everybody's still safe. Like, I don't know how people are jumping to conclusions now that we need to get rid of people. No, I, I agree. I think, I think this guy just adds a little bit more flair. I mean, everybody's saying it was unbelievable value for where we drafted him and he can kind of outperform his draft position was what I read. So I think yeah. that was a great pick. Well, I mean, like I said, we did trade up like 20 slots for him. So um, it, it was clearly something that, uh, you know, being saw on his draft board that he's like, Hey, this guy's still here. Let's make a move and, and go get him. So that was the last guy really that I want to talk about in this draft. Again, it wasn't too in depth, but I mean, we talked about the punter getting him. He seems like he has a big boot in the last three picks, the cornerback from Villanova, um, offensive lineman from Virginia Tech and then linebacker from uh, uh, Clemson. So, I mean, just, you know, you can never go wrong with those positions, I guess, coming, you know, rounding out the back end. Uh, and, and, hey, you never know. I mean, what 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 round did we draft Spencer Brown in last year, right? Fifth, sixth? Yeah. So, it's like, you. I mean, get an off- offensive lineman at the back end and a linebacker, you know. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to give you analysis on these guys, but – I like the I like the positional aspect of it, I guess. But I think that's uh, enough for draft review. I mean, I think we did the best we can with the limited knowledge that we have on the NFL draft. But I Spencer excited. Brown was a third round pick, by the way. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, either way, um, I think uh, sixth round. What do you mean? What do you What would you give uh, the Bills' final grade here if you were draft analysis here? You know. What do you, what um, do you I'd probably give them like uh, four stars. No, I'm talking about like letter grade. <laughs> um, I don't know, like a, like an A minus B plus. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I just I'm I'm retired from giving out draft grades ever since the Josh Allen draft. Because <laughs> seriously, because I gave them probably like a C after that draft, and yeah, look how it turned out. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I always just think it's comical. That, that's like all. People, well, that's that's the other thing, dude, about like drafts and how at the beginning of the episode I was saying it's this huge event and people get so into it. And it's and it's we don't know, right? Like we we ha- I went on this rant. I think it's even more so for NHL that we don't know. And I went on the rant during that when everybody got pissed about the Jack Quinn pick. It's like we don't know. Like it, we, it's just so questionable about who's going to pan out and who's going to be a bust and it, there's so much football to be played to, to really know what were the good picks and everything so that like it being such a big event for just something that people act like they know so much about it's just it's just so up in the air so up in the air um, yeah so we'll move on from the draft talk i'm glad that's kind of over with and done with now um 
and we'll move on. I think that kind of rounds out Bill's talk from here on out. And I think we'll kind of round out the episode here with some Sabres talk and hockey talk. Um, as I said, moving the NHL playoffs, just greatest time of the year for sports. Um, but before we do that, we'll talk about the last week of uh, Sabres hockey. And yes, I know the Sabres got absolutely smashed by the Bruins on Thursday night, five, nothing, but we're just going to glance over that one because we finished the season strong and I'm going to try to stay on the positive vibes only train. And we'll talk about that last game in, uh, against Chicago at home, a win in overtime three to two. It was Rick Jenneret's last game as a Sabres play by play broadcaster. So emotional there. Um, you know, obviously an absolute legend in the Sabres community and just in, in the hockey community in general. Um, so shout out to RJ for just, just giving it his all for 51 years. We couldn't even get in the playoffs for this guy for the last 10, but you know, hopefully he'll see a few playoff runs before his time's up. Um, and then a, qu- a couple questions actually from, um, or, or sorry. And then, and then we'll do the locker room clean out interviews. I, I don't know if you saw any of those, but then also I tweeted out before the episode um, that we're recording tonight. You know, if everyone had any questions to, to let us know. And, and that's one thing I actually want to hit on is that, you know, if anybody, I've said this before, but if anybody listening ever has any questions, comments, you know, topics that you want us to discuss, like feel free to tweet at us, DM us, whatever the case may be. We can maybe do like a fan mailbag if more people get involved with it. Um, but one person did actually, you know, respond to our tweet tonight and we can get into that question as well. But did, were you able to watch this, this game Friday night, um, against Chicago, the last game of the year? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, pretty solid way to end the season, right? And on a high note, I mean, I think it was fitting for the way the Sabres played in the last couple of months here. And um, it, it was just good to, I guess, get that win with a packed barn for one, RJ's last night, but just kind of ride that momentum into the offseason. So it was good to see the boys get a win. And it was also strong. It was also good that, or it was also cool, I wouldn't say good, <clears throat> that they uh, they won in overtime and you got to hear the Sabres win in overtime from RJ one last time. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So, um, anything else on that game in general? (laughs) I mean, Thompson scored again. Yeah. I mean, Thompson scored again. I thought, I thought Middlestad actually played pretty well. I mean, he got the game winner. Yeah. Um, I mean, power continues to look good. Scored another goal there. Yeah. Game time with like six minutes left. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a really fun off season where we're actually like, it's going to be the first time where I'm actually excited for, and I'm going to have like some sort of countdown for Sabres hockey. Oh, the you know, other like, the other thing on this game real quick was, uh, I don't know if you saw Malcolm Subban sing the national anthem, which was pretty interesting. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. That was hilarious. I've never seen I think that he, before. He used to play for Chicago as well, I believe. So I think he knew some of the guys on the Chicago team. So it was kind of like a good, a good, you know, timing of that. But it was kind of funny yeah. him, uh, you know, belting the national anthem. All the boys were loving it on the bench. So that was funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a good, it was a good end of the season. And, um, speaking of Malcolm Subban, speaking of a goalie, the question that we received on our Twitter, I don't know if you saw it at all, but it was who will be the goalie for the Sabres next year. So thank you for that question. Let me look up the guy's username real quick. So I can give him a quick shout out. Um, while I look that up, any thoughts on who you think the goalie will be next year? And I guess what the plan is for the goalie for the Sabres. Um, I mean, I think going in, it's going to be UPL as a starter. Uh, if you had to put a gun to my head, like who starts opening night, it's UPL. Um, I don't think he'll be like the traditional starter. I think it'll be like a, hopefully be a, like a half and half split with either Craig Anderson or another veteran goalie that they'll be able to sign this off season. 
but I think that's going to, I think that's what we'll see next year. It's going to be UPL splitting time with a veteran free agent goalie. Do you think that's going to get the job done? I just, I don't, I don't know. Like we haven't seen enough. Like UPL hasn't been able to stay healthy when he was healthy this, this season, he played well. Yeah. Right. Like when he got called up and I thought he was surprisingly good. Um, and then he just got hurt and was never able to make his way back up. Right. And we struggled a little bit when we had to play Tukowski and, and, or Tukarski, Tukowski, Tukarski <laughs> and, and, uh, Hauser and, you know, the whole rigmarole there. So I, I think it's, you know, if he has a good off season, has a good camp, I think it's his net to lose. Um, but I mean, with that being said, like, I'm not comfortable with him um, just going in and, and being the goalie without kind of like a, a backup plan. That's why I think it's more like a um, timeshare with a veteran, you know? Yeah. So the guy who asked the question, it was at Buffalo's goat. Thank you for the question. Um, I, I guess I, I agree. I was thinking about this when he, when the guy wrote the question in. And so I, I went and looked up um, the, the goal is are going to be UFAs this off season. And I don't know if the Sabres plan is to maybe trade for a goalie, maybe try to sign a goalie. Um, and the, I guess the reason I kind of agree with you and I, and it's not even necessary because I think that's like the best move for the Sabres or the best thing that can be done. It's just, I don't know what the, the other really options are is because I don't think, I don't think yeah, there's, there's really out there that you're going to trade for. And then when I was looking at the UFAs, you have, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, who I don't think would be a good op, uh, you know, good option to go for. No. He has a, you know, he's making $7 million this year. He's, he's not going to want to sign in Buffalo. He's 37 years old. He's not going to want to sign Buffalo to begin with if he wanted to. I just, I mean, I think he's still a pretty solid goaltender. I just, I, I don't think that would be the move. Then you go down the other UFA goalies here, and there's not really anyone that's, you know, that kind of pops out to you. I mean, you got Miko Koskin from Edmonton, who hasn't really had that great of a year. I mean, he's not even starting for the Oilers as we speak right now, game one. Uh, Darcy Kemper. Thomas Grice, Yaroslav Halak, like a lot of these guys, like I don't know if they're the right fit for the time being, especially when you have kind of the guys in the pipeline that we have, and, and hopefully that works out. I know we had that discussion a few weeks ago with the whole Devin Levi, Eric Portillo situation. Um, the one guy that maybe you want to take a chance on, that's the UFA, is Jonas Corposalo. The thing is, he's he had a really, he, I mean, for Columbus, he had a not a great year. And he, and he only, I looked at his stats up. He only played like 29 games. Elvis Merlikens was their starter who played 50 plus games for them. Um, but Corpusalo, he had, I think maybe like a over four goals against average and under 900 save percentage in the 20 something games that he played. I know he kind of got hot before the pandemic for that stretch where he was like unstoppable. Like he, he would literally stop everything and he kind of, you know, made a name that way. He's 28 years old. Like, Maybe you give him a chance, but I, I don't see why that would be worth it. So I think it has to be UPL, and I think you have to, like, have Anderson come back. And, and I don't know. So I guess that's where I'm at with – you know, I'm right there with you. It, it is scary to see UPL. Like, he is so injury-prone. Like, he just got injured again. He's not even going to start for the Amherst in the playoffs now because he just got injured, and he's going to be out for another, like, one to two weeks. So, like, the thing is, is, like, you need another goalie besides just UPL and Anderson because UPL is inevitably going to get hurt next year. And then you're going to go with Craig Anderson and, and the whole rigmarole like we did this year again, and it's just, like, back to square one where we're talking about goalie issues the whole year, and then you're going to, like, have the same exact goalie issues next year. So Kevin Adams has to do something. 
maybe you do sign one of these guys just to have him like in the back pocket. Like, I don't know, but there has to be something done. And if it is UPL and Anderson going to the year, I wouldn't be mad with that. I just know that UPL is going to get hurt or even Anderson. He's 40 years old, right? He's probably going to get hurt too. It's like you have to have some type of plan because when these guys get hurt and maybe the Sabres are playing well, then we're kind of screwed on the back end and we're talking about goalies all over again. So, I mean, it is obviously something that needs to be brought up. It's been brought to the attention um, this whole year. Um, but I guess to answer the question, yeah, it's probably going to be UPL and Anderson to start out just because I don't think there's really other options to go with unless you just overpay for like a veteran goalie for one year, which I don't know if you, you really want to do that. You probably want to spend your money elsewhere, like other you know positional players. Well, I don't think, I don't think overpaying for a goalie for one year is that big a deal. We have the cap space, right? So as long as it's a one-year contract, Sure, give a goalie seven, eight million for one year. Um, really? I would rather do well, that with like a. We'll be able know. to do, dude. We're we're going to be like twenty mil. We're going to be screaming to get to the cap floor this year, so we'll have plenty of space to go sign free agents. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised then if they go after one of these UFA goalies. Yeah, I just don't think to expect a trade. Like, don't go expecting Kevin Adams to make a trade for. Um, so for a goalie that's kind of like in the middle of his his prime at this point, I mean, you have UPL, and you're right. Like his injury concerns are a major issue there, and like he hasn't proven that he could play a full season at the AHL level or the NHL level. But you are um, right; he was good when he was on the Sabers and healthy. Like I think there's still promise there. Just the injury stuff concerns me, but I think he can be a like a good goalie. Like from just when he's healthy, I think he's actually pretty good. Right. I'm just saying they're probably not going to trade because they have Levi and Portillo waiting in the wings here. Right. So between the three of them, you think you got at least one of the three is going to turn into be your goalie of the future. If not, then that's stinks because that means you are just like whiffed on three draft picks there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess one was a trade by Levi, but same thing, right? Like those are prospects. You're hoping that one of them can turn out to be a franchise goalie. So, I mean, it's just a waste of assets at this point if you're going to be trading for one as well. So, I think the only logical answer is to sign sign one, overpay, sure. Don't sign them for a long contract, right? One or two years max. And then you hopefully get UPL to stick up and, and be your guy. Or next season you come in with Levi or Patillo and hopefully both of them, one of them, you know, comes up and maybe plays with, it, plays with UPL in tandem, the other one is a full-time goal in the Amherst. I don't know. Have I just think that um, it's it's just too short-sighted to go and make a trade for a goalie at this point. Yeah, and then I guess the last thing on it is you have to, I guess, think about if you know Anderson. We're talking about Anderson like he's a shoe, and like he still hasn't fully committed to coming back and playing hockey at all, like just in general, right? Like yeah, he might with the Sabers, like he might retire. So it's like if he retires, then you probably definitely have to go after and sign some veteran goalie, even if to pay him a little bit more, one of these UFI guys. But I mean like he's not even like a shoe in either. But I mean hopefully he's back and um I say hopefully he's back. I mean hopefully he's back if he's gonna play at the same level he did this year. You know the wheels could also fall off in the middle of next year and then that's another whole, yeah you know and you want to talk about injury prone. I mean he's right there with UPL as being right. a shoe in to get injured. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's something that Kevin Adams and the, and the squad there will have to figure out. And I guess we'll see what happens, um, you know, this off season. Uh, but last thing on the Sabres here, it, it was obviously locker room cleanout day the other day where, you know, the Sabres players go out and um, kind of just wrap up all media things. There's a few interviews that go around and I don't know if you saw any of them, but I, I just wanted to bring this up because I think this is the first time. And I've said this a couple of times where it's, you know, this is the first time in a while that I confidently have some hope in the team for the future. Um, 
but especially on this specific day, and I think Gergensen's in his interview hit the nail on the head where I think in his interview he said, usually on this day where and he's the longest tenured saver, by the way. Like he's just that's something yeah. that like, gets swept under the rug, I feel like. Like this guy's just he survived. He survived so like Housley, Kruger, like it's yeah. crazy. Like he's been here since the get, like since we drafted him. And in his interview, he said that usually you come in on this day and, you know, you get asked questions and you're searching for answers and, and it's, you know, depressing, disappointing. You don't really have a lot of hope moving forward. And he said it was a completely different feel this year. Um, just in his answers that differ from, you know, years past, he said it's, it's a lot different this year. You feel something in the building. Like we don't really want to go home yet. Like it was, it's just, it's just a lot different than it has been in years past. So that's one guy you have Alex Tuck Thompson and, and middle and these young guys, Krebs, all of the cousins, all of these guys in their interviews are talking about wanting to be in Buffalo and wanting to play there. And you, and you can tell it's genuine and you can tell it's, you know, they're riding on each other. They're, you know, growing from Donnie meatballs and, and his whole, you know, plan of tack this year. It just seems a lot different on this day, as opposed to like a complete, like depressing, like usually this day is so depressing, right? You get Reinhardt interviews, you get Eichel interviews, you get Ristolainen interviews. They get asked about being traded for the fifth time in a row. It's just, it's never, positive questions it's always negative 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 as it should be for the past few years and finally this year it just seemed to have a different vibe and the guys are kind of leaving the rink on a high note more than just you know glad for this thing to be over um so that's kind of what stuck out to me just scrolling through twitter and seeing these different clips of these guys um it just gives you that much more juice going into next season gets you that much more excited i don't know if you had anything else to add on that but that's kind of just the vibe i felt you know from these guys and, and their you know their exit interviews yeah, same here. I mean, you you the one clip of uh, Peyton Krebs talking about how when he got traded from Vegas, uh, he came to Buffalo and it felt more like his hometown in Calgary, which was awesome. Yep. Um, talking about how it's you can see himself, you know, putting up a rink in the backyard, uh, you know, his kids out there skating, which was pretty cool to hear. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's like the first time when it feels like forever where guys aren't kind of like can't wait to get out of town in, in Buffalo at this point. Right. And like the reporters are just berating him with, like you were saying questions about like, Hey, do you even want to be here? Do you even want to be here? Right. It seems like there's no, there's no like question at this point. All these guys are here for the long haul. They see themselves here. They like each other. Right. Like you can tell all these guys enjoy being on this team, enjoy the camaraderie of all these people. And they have this vibe where it's like, Hey, we're all kind of in this together and we're going to be around here for the long haul. Um, they kind of like recreated this new core, um, which, which is cool. I mean, that's like, we've been talking about, that's how you build a hockey team, right? Like that's how, that's how elite hockey teams get assembled. It's not just, you know, you go out and get a big piece to go do this patchwork lineup over one, you know, to, to put players around this one guy, right? It's like, yeah. you, you go out and draft guys that want to be there that have a the similar um, mindsets that complement each other um that are like similar in age right like you look at this core and they're all like we're set within a couple of years of each other they're all high level players and like and like they all like to be in, uh, around each other so it's just like a very very cool start of something hopefully it doesn't come crashing down on our face and like next year we're like oh man we're further away than we thought we were because mm-hmm. um, that would be typical sabers fashion but um yeah, I mean, for right now, like, enjoy it. I, I'm going to miss Sabres hockey, like I've been saying. Um, and, yeah, like, it's going to be the first summer, really, where I'm counting down the clock for for hockey to start, not just football. So, 
Yeah. Um, also, last thing, Krebs, Samuelson, and Fitzgerald did get, you know, sent back down to Rochester so they can play in the playoffs, which the Amherst made it into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth, which was going to be kind of embarrassing if they didn't because I don't know if you know the HL playoff format, but I've been looking at it the past few weeks because – Yeah, of the it's like everybody makes like it. Like everybody <laughs> makes it except for like five teams, which is just absurd. Like 75% of the teams make it. You have the top two scorers in the league on your team and you like barely sneak in the playoffs, which, you know, would have been tough. But at least they get some reinforcements with Krebs, Samuelson, Fitzgerald. I will be in attendance for their first home playoff game on Wednesday uh, tomorrow. So that'll be exciting. And I get to, you know, watch live playoff hockey for the first time in my life, even though it is the AHL. I'll be there. Um, And then last thing on the Sabres, since March 1st, I just thought this was a cool set. I went um, since March 1st. They were 16, 9, and 3. So, I mean, we, we talk about them finishing the season strong, um, but now there's an actual stat to it. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good pace right there. 16, 9, and 3. I feel like that's a, well, that's a playoff pace, right? 16 wins in the last couple months there. Only nine losses in regulation, three overtime losses. That's that's pretty solid. Um, so, that's just a little tidbit that I thought was a, a pretty good record for the past two months. I mean, before that, I know it was a little bit of a struggle, but it just kind of really shows to it, you know, they weren't just looking like they're playing well. I think that's actually some results to speak for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, that's Sabres talk. Probably be done with that for a while until offseason stuff heats up again. And um, I'm sure it'll be a big offseason. We've been talking about a lot. But last thing, let's get into our NHL playoff predictions. I think we can just rattle these off and then end the end the episode. And as I said, the, the games did start as we were recording this. Um, as you guys are listening to this, they obviously started last night, but we did have these predictions beforehand. Um, and I guess I'll go with mine first, and then you want to rally yours off? Sure. All right, so in the West, I got the Wild over the Blues in seven games. I got the Kings over the Oilers in six games. I got the Avs over the Preds in six games, and I got the Flames over the Stars in four games. And then in the East, I have the Canes over the Bruins in seven, Lightning over the Leafs in six, uh, pens over the Rangers in six and the caps over the Panthers in seven. So I actually have like a decent amount of upsets. Um, I think that the East is, we obviously all know how crazy the East has been this year. And that's kind of why I have a little bit more upsets than maybe like a lot of people. I think like 90% of people have the Panthers being the caps. I just think anything can absolutely happen here. And I think the, especially in the East, like you never know. So that's why I have a little bit more upsets, but, um, I don't know. It's going to be a sick playoffs. That's that's a Sabres draft pick uh, series one right there. What what's that? Panthers caps. <laughs> caps beating the Panthers. Oh, so we get a better draft pick. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I mean, hey, that's something to root for then. But um, yeah, so I got Wild Kings, Abs, Flames, Canes, Lightning, Pens, Caps. So let's go. Okay, in the West for me, I got Wild in seven, uh, Oilers in six. Avalanche in five and Flames in five. And then the East, I got Bruins in seven, uh, Tampa in six, uh, New York Rangers in six, and then the Panthers in six. Okay. And as and as we are recording this right now, I will say the the you know, we both picked the lightning there. The Leafs absolutely stomped Tampa last night. I think it was five nothing. Um, and then the Canes stomped the Bruins, but uh, it is only game one. Anything can happen in these games, so I mean, we'll see what happens moving forward. I'd be caught dead before I pick the Leafs, but I have to be honest. Like, usually I'm pretty confident in my picking against the Leafs selection. This is the one playoffs where this Tampa team just seems like off to me this year. I just feel like they could. Don't you? You you have them going to the cup final. I do, but (laughs) 
I just, I don't know. I just, I, I just think if, if this, this is weird where I think if this Tampa team wins this series, then they're going to have like the mojo to get to all the way. But I just, I just think that like they've been having, I've been watching some of their games. I just think they have like trouble get going sometimes. Well, well, that's the, that's like the whole, that's like the big thing that like ESPN and the NHL is like trying to push this playoffs is like the whole narrative behind like, are they out of gas? Like, have they ran out of gas yet? Because, because of the bubble and, and the way COVID worked out, and I know they are, they're obviously back to back cup champions. Apparently, like, there's the way that the games, uh, the way the season ended, and then they, I think they started last season like up quicker than usual and all that. So, like, I guess statistically, they've played the most games in like, an, in, in like a two year span, um, like in history. So, like, the big thing is like, oh, are they out of gas? Like, all this thing. So, like, that is the big narrative that could be contributing to like, you know, you, you thinking that they're a little bit off, which like they are, and that might, you know, maybe they are a little bit out of gas, but like, yeah, I don't know. I think they're going to win. I have them going to the cup final as well. Like I, like I said, they did get stomped, but they were playing well at the end of the regular season. And it, it, this wasn't even, this wasn't even a pick. I, I do hate the Leafs tremendously. And I know it's a big running joke and it's funny that they haven't won a playoff series in 16 years. This wasn't even a pick just based on that. Like I actually just legit thought that the lightning are just going to turn it up and win this series. And like I said, the East is so jumbled that it's like, I'm just going to pick the team that won the cup the past two years. And I think they can get it together. You know, who knows? It's like, like I said, like anything can literally happen in the East in this playoff series. That's why it's going to be awesome to watch, but that's kind of where I'm at with that specific series, I guess. And I just, on top of that, hate the Leafs and like rooting against them. So yeah, agreed. We'll see though. But I mean, that's our picks. I don't know. You guys can follow along with them. Um, See how that goes down, but I think that kind of rounds out the episode for tonight. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening in. We appreciate it. Go Bills, go Sabres as always, and we will talk to you next week.